0: the numbness I know usually protects the relationship and shuts down my autonomy within this relationship. I can have a connection to this split off part of myself via the other person. I mean, it's like projecting myself on the other person and then taking care of their autonomy. And by that, you know, some elusive kind of caring for autonomy is in the space between us but it's actually just connected to the other person not to me wow, wow. the big hormone a
1: John Lukovic, uh, Sexual self press for 5 Wing 458 Trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self press sexual nine with one nine seven four trifix. What up, it's Emica. I'm an eight wing seven,
2: sexual self press with eight five four fixes. Hi, I'm
1: Nancy. I am a self-pressed social three wing four with a
3: if you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Welcome, listeners from 2033 to Big Hormone Enneagram, uh, that is when people will start appreciating us. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a couple decades. It's going to be a couple decades before uh, people realize how quality this, uh, this content is. And uh, speaking of appreciation, we are uh, we're here with our uh, two Niklas, but before we get into him, uh, we got plugs. So uh, please buy my book, and it is getting to be the holidays or whatever, so uh, please buy my book for Christmas presents. You don't have to think about Christmas presents now. You can just show just everybody buy that w- John's book, just buy John's book. <laughs> yeah. And if, and it, you know, and just buy a couple copies for everybody too. Um, good idea.
1: cause they're going to want to give away a copy to exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect.
3: Yeah. Um, we got, uh, <laughs> David's trifix book. Uh, please buy that also. Um, leave reviews for us, leave reviews mm-hmm. for this podcast as well. Uh, those go a long way actually. So if you're listening to us and enjoying us, please just, just read a review. It's not hard. Um, yeah, we haven't
2: gotten some reviews in a while. Just it yeah. seems like um even Love Lines, the fact the past six months it seems like people have given up on the Enneagram a little bit because uh, engagement across the board is a lot lower than it usually is. Interesting. Yeah, what yeah. do you have a theory for that? Uh yeah. I, I was looking into it um, in twenty nineteen when we were talking about starting this podcast. The Enneagram was actually experiencing a huge peak in interest. And remember that article that came out that was like, oh, the Enneagram is experiencing a boom right now. Remember mm-hmm. that? We, mm-hmm. So t- 2019 to 2020 was the peak that the Enneagram has ever experienced. Period. If you look at the Google search, there was like a spike from 2019 to 2020. So we actually started this podcast at like the perfect time. And so if you notice, there was a huge wave of interest, maybe because of the pandemic, um, but the astrology was also experiencing a huge peak at that time, also. Mm-hmm. And um, but the astrology is usually double the the amount of interest that the enneagram usually has in terms of search. So like that tells you how large of a how much more people are interested in, in astrology. So after 2020 and through the pandemic. We had so much, you know, because people are at home, they don't have anything to do. They have to think about themselves. And so oh, right. astrology, OD was getting, having a lot of business at that time. Spirituality in general does better when the times are hard. Mm-hmm. So as the pandemic has come to a close and people have been going back to going out and doing things. And I think the summer was the real beginning of that. Across the board, all the groups, our podcast, we've gotten maybe two reviews since then, which you usually get a couple every month. Yeah. So I think just across the board, you know, we're back to normal. Like yeah. the Enneagram is back to where it usually is, which is like a third of what astrology is. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Other thing to plug is our Enneagrammer merchandise. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
2: I'm I'm hesitant to plug it because we do have some t shirts available in our store. Uh, that it looks look like
3: it needs a couple of trial runs. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just
2: copy paste Pixar, vendor. Or whatever that is. Right, you take our logo and we put it on some t-shirts. Uh, people have been ordering the, hood, the, what is it, the beanie hats mm-hmm. and the t-shirts, oh, cool. but uh, we got some mugs up there that I think need some, some several redesigns, but if you want a mug with our yeah. logo on it, you can go very get it. I much at
4: it. just like the mugs, sorry. They're <laughs> so, ugly. <laughs>
3: selling mugs is peak Enneagram making it, you know, like when... That's a gram you know teacher yeah. or company or whatever school has really made it that's this get the mugs out that's like you know <laughs> no. mugs
2: and candles is where where it's at that's mm. when no, that's you know
1: candles. that's why i started doing the mugs
2: that's why he, <laughs> that's when you know stats. you're that's when you know you're near the end when you're doing mugs like that's like end game type shit <laughs> david's,
1: david's what we call an entrepreneur. <laughs> that's yes. <laughs> oh yeah david don't you have like uh yoga pants i have yoga pants that are gorgeous David's i wouldn't wear them right that. now they look great do they yeah
3: do they say something on the ass
1: they have symbols on each ass cheek and perfect you need, yeah you need to look at them on my instagram <laughs> on okay, i don't know if people need right to look please, at them but please. i mean
4: i rarely look at your instagram uh,
1: yeah my Instagram is lit lately. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's
4: a vibe. I was—I
3: have a client that I've been, um, you know, introducing the enneagram to, and in, in this podcast, and she was like, you know, complimenting and commenting on it. And she was like, "And and who's the funny guy that hardly talks?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> All good. the Are ladies funny, go wild strange for you're Funny, ha ha. <laughs> <clears throat>
2: uh okay, DAA. We uh have been well yeah, we've been typing let's see. We did um competency types recently. Uh and we also did MC ride from death grips. That was an interesting one. And uh we're also gonna do we're thinking about doing that liver king guy. What do you think, David?
1: Which guy was that? <laughs> I don't even know who that is.
2: Yeah, he just went viral yesterday, or a couple of days ago, because he got exposed for doing steroids. He's just like some guy oh, who... Yeah.
4: He quote unquote who, apologized for it now.
2: Yeah, yeah, who, who's who been uh, preaching an ancestral lifestyle of eating liver and bull <laughs> testicles.
4: Testicles, yeah.
2: And, nice. You know, that's a great way to, to get super jacked like he is, and it turns out he's been doing ridiculous amounts of steroids and um, then you claimed it was like for other people, for all right. the
3: people who are suicidals benefit.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. So it'd be it'd be to cool to going. to type another douchebag uh, influencer out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, we did Andrew Tate.
2: So. Andrew Tate was fun, uh, but yeah, DAA is it's you know this is sort of like getting fluent in the language of the Enneagram as we unspool these concepts on these uh, on this pod here that you have to actually practice. Recognizing being able to match these concepts to real examples of people, and uh, that's one modality to learning enneagram is to learn it experientially. And you have to be able to use the enneagram. So this is great practice for anyone. Nineteen dollars a month at anygrammar.com dot oh, com, and awesome. uh, okay. and you. also just get typed by enneagrammer. Just yeah. if you are on the fence about your type and you want to get the help of experts like us who have decades of experience, go to anygrammar.com dot com.
3: Also. Uh you know, they, I was witness to a live stream y'all did yesterday. They a secret a live stream. secret for, exclusive live stream yes. sometimes. Through DAA. And, Through sorry.
2: DAA. Special and, uh, perks. Y'all, uh, I don't know if you want
3: me adults. to mention what the topic was, but... Yeah, was, go ahead. It was, it's, it's, it was great. It was retyping Enneagram teachers <laughs> and getting at their real types. And it was great and entertaining and... Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, we were roasting them as well. You yeah, forgot to mention that <laughs> thoroughly roasting, but uh I mean, it, it's really funny how how mistyped the, the people who are leading the charge in Enneagram are across the board. Yep. Um. Yeah, that was great.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a special perk for DAM members. I mean, I I've said this before. Like, if you have listened to this podcast for years and you have not supported us monetarily in some way, like. What are you even? You even a person.
4: Stop listening to us.
3: <laughs> yeah, stop listening. Get out of here. Davis for the, the subscribers in twenty
2: thirty three. You know, nineteen <laughs> bucks a month is nothing. That's coffee.
3: And if you're disappointed that David hasn't slept with you, and you're still giving us money, stop it.
1: if you the subscription gets you pretty close, <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's what people expect. Really things with his David pants. <laughs>
4: does not get
3: you laid. All the, all he... the women obsessively boning for, or pining for David.
2: Yeah, there's a long list apparently, and severe things happen when you don't come through, David. How dare you? Yeah, now how dare I not? Put dare out, you? No,
1: you, know, not you put have out one job. Subpar women. <laughs> after after teasing with this beautiful, sexy voice. I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. You have one job. You're
4: just leading them on at this point by just <laughs> simply true. existing.
1: That's true. I should just <laughs> cease and desist. <laughs> Life.
4: You should. <laughs>
2: Life. Uh All right. Anyway, is that everything? That's everything. Now we're here with the Giver King. Niklas. <laughs> <laughs> Niklas. So, yeah, I got to say, first of all, that I really appreciate, I mean, we've had our run-ins and disagreements and whatever, but I, I do appreciate your insights with Josh. You, uh, for those people listening who haven't um, checked out the interview that Niklas did with Josh, uh, it's extremely important. There are not very many twos out there who can articulate the whole rejection structure of what twos are up to or even come fess up to what they're doing
4: yeah
2: (laughs) you know that's a that's a you know the toxicity of twos that we rag on here to have a two actually be able to speak to that is you know pretty profound and at the time we were i was trying to find language for what the rejection types were doing so to hear Mm -hmm. sort of like the two doing basically the eight version of you know in the heart center right um kind of connected all the dots and so that was really helpful as we i was you know trying to like unspool this and so you're here now to yes. give us more hopefully
4: mm-hmm.
2: yeah inter- introduce yourself if
3: you could please
0: <clears throat> all right well i'm nicholas and um i've been uh, engaged with the enneagram for 12 or 13 years now and i gotta say i learned so much more in the time that you guys did the podcast because uh, a lot of things came together and a lot of things started to make sense for the first time Uh, and not in this way where you where it's like a mysterious thing that uh, somebody tells you works in some mysterious way but um, the reasoning became Mm -hmm. clear to me. and. Uh, I'm a licensed psychotherapist since 2018, and I'm using the Enneagram in my practice as well because it helps me to easily recognize what's going on. Most of the clients are sixes and nines anyway. And uh, um, shout out to sixes and nines, right? <laughs> AKA everybody, <laughs> all are so
1: wonderfully average,
0: <laughs> boring, mm-hmm. yeah. you can torture them with that. Uh, usually, <laughs> and um, I, I think it was around in 2020, in spring 2020, when I uh understood that most of my patterns can be explained by two and. Um, that was very humbling in a sense because I thought I was way more complex than that. And uh, with that lens, things came, became quite clear and easy and simple and horrifying in a way because when, when the defense pulls away and uh, I asked myself, okay... If I don't follow that structure, what do I want in the world and what do I want from people and what do I want for for my life? There was a big nothing at first. And that I find is also at the heart of the dynamic because uh, most of the structure is built around rejecting my autonomy and um, being a full human being wanting stuff for myself. And um, when that rejection pulls away, or at least, I mean, in the, at first I started to see a glimpse of it, that it has become clearer since then. But um, then, then there's, there's an emptiness, and it's difficult to, to take the next step to actually discover what, what might be the case within my whole internal space, <clears throat> other than that type structure.
3: Mhm. Yeah, interesting. So can you say a little bit more about that emptiness?
0: It's it's an experience of blankness at first and then fear comes up
5: and loneliness. Mhm. And an
0: expectation that nobody will be able to to be there with me.
4: Mhm.
0: Right. Either willing or able.
4: Mhm.
5: Mhm. And that feels endless at yeah. first.
3: Yeah. And is this emptiness kind of like, you know, we talk a lot about the, um, the two, you know, rejection types having this kind of leverage dynamic with other people. And I assume, or I guess I'm asking, I guess, is, 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 is that emptiness what keeps you going back into the leverage game?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so appreciative of what you guys talked about because there was this feeling was mutual Emeka. it was really great to to have these talks at that time because uh, it gave me language for experiences I've been having a long time and I've been discovering at that time too mm-hmm. and uh, I'm recalling right now how Emika you talked about the competition between looking for what actually works for you in a relationship and the rejection dynamic, Mm -hmm. because the rejection dynamic is kind of intoxicating. And in my experience, it's um, on Josh's podcast, I talked about the juice, and it's this connection to vulnerability in the other person. And it's not just vulnerability, but vitality it's it's aliveness it's something raw it's something real
5: mm-hmm.
0: which potency potency right and that's hugely attractive and it's very painful for me or it's it's getting better but it's a it's a dicey area to actually get in touch uh, with vitality within myself and that has a lot to do with the belly with the body energy what is actually attractive to me what do i how do i like to spend my time what is actually juicing me up you know and since this endless empty, emptiness is linked to this question of what gets my juices going mm. uh, the rejection dynamic is a way to circumvent that it's it's I get in touch with vitality in the other person and my skills and my knowledge and my wisdom and whatever I bring to the table as a two is um, designed to pave the way and to invite the other person to go further than the person might actually go by her or himself.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's something that I do to pull people in. And I, I noticed that, temptation to do so sometimes when uh actually in our history as well because um what you guys did was so attractive to me that i made various attempts to get in touch with you right and <laughs> i did it in exactly this this way i tried to pull you in in some sense because i wanted to penetrate be part of something yeah <laughs> penetrate <laughs> the is the choice. word here <laughs> <laughs> And I'm glad I'm, I'm able to admit to that now, um, because it's very shameful to actually to see that because it's the opposite of what I'm telling myself I'm doing, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on what I focus within the dynamic on what I can bring to the table. And I hope that that is valuable. And sometimes I tell myself, nobody sees it. I see it. So it should be seen as that. Right uh while i ignore the the actual situation of the relationship yeah mm-hmm. there can be and this that's trap that's the irritating thing about two usually or rejection types in general
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah the the irritating thing is a sort of like feeling run over by yes. you know someone who's on their one track mind of i'm offering mm-hmm. you this and maybe someone wants the thing or appreciates the thing to a certain degree but i my experience can be that i get an open door and it's like, it's time to flood the open door. Like you, maybe someone says, gives you a little bit of yes. And so that's, I'm going to mm-hmm. pour all the stuff that I have that can, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, so you get high on the, oh, there's like, there's an opportunity here. There's a potential leverage. There's a potential before and after what I have to offer could disproportionately change, you know, so stuff for that person. It's and an so all you or just, nothing kind of thing. Yeah. So you end up pouring too much. And so I mm-hmm. think what I experienced with, um, rejection types is that you know you give an inch and, and they end up take, unconsciously taking a mile of mm-hmm. trying to give too much uh, be, mm-hmm. beyond what you might be interested in taking. Uh, so what I've had to learn is uh, you have to be invited and what you might want to give, people aren't necessarily even ready for. And you have to, right. at each step of the way, um, it might take a year for that person to be even, you know, at a place where they would be able to use the thing that you're offering. So just like, yes, stop.
1: And <laughs> <But again, laughs> it's also to... always sort of a mismatch because it's all or nothing, right? Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, it's either going to be this whole thing or uh, disinterest. You can't just right, like right. You do with other people, just have a mid-level interest in something or whatever, or, something yeah yeah going
3: going to a uh, like a water fountain like oh i'm I'm so thirsty and then like (laughs) a little you know like a little bit comes out and then it's like (laughs) just
4: a fire hose to the face (laughs) it rips your skin off
0: right (laughs) yeah yes i agree with that and i think there are a couple of aspects to it that are interesting um the main reason is that the the desire and the hope and the desperation of the rejection type has gotten so little attention usually in the in the normal structure of life that when there is an opening uh, it's like i need to secure this Mm -hmm. and so it's more than i want to experience this with you and i want to have an exchange right now that is just constrained to what we are doing right now but it's there is a a hope and a desire to solidify this and you can't do that. And so you try to, to, to do so much that you get into this possession dynamic of uh, the other person can't say no anymore, can't get away from, from what you have to offer. So then in the hopes that this inner desperation, is quieted and, and silenced, and you can have peace for once. Mm. And, and whenever something has that much energy, in my experience, the level of reflection is usually quite low. Right. And that is reflected in all or nothing, because all or nothing is a low resolution perspective. You have just those two categories, either on or off. And what I find I need to learn in order to deal with this energy as I, I need to be with it, I need to inspect it, I need to get more detail about it so I can actually scale and say, okay, I want you on, on two feet away, and you on five feet away, mm, and you on mm-hmm. 10 feet away, and, right. I, and you I want really close to my skin, but not all or nothing. Right. And that is a, a process that can only happen when we reflect on things. and and are with them we are present to them we are aware of them otherwise it's not possible in my experience
2: yeah i would say that uh from the point of view of the blind spot being the gateway of um unloosening the the grip of the type structure that Mm -hmm. i've had to learn that sort of being able to recognize to what degree of closeness i can have with someone comes down to Getting into the social instinct of being able to see not only myself, but really see the other person. You know, I can overdo the rejection dynamic because I'm just assuming that what I have to offer is what this person needs. And so you kind of double down, double down. But if you're really seeing someone else and you're really seeing yourself, so I'm seeing what what my offerings are and I'm seeing what the other person's needs are, I can say, well, you know, we can meet in this specific area that's not all encompassing. We can have a relationship. In this part, it doesn't have to be like full on, or I can, if I can really see you, then I can really see to what degree uh, that we can interface with each other and be able to make a decision that's not just based on, uh, oh, I'm really into this. And I, or I really see that this has this huge potential to be this big thing, but actually see, you know, we have this little potential here and that's fine. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be more than that. And so I can yeah. say for you, maybe with, you know, a lot of sexual blinds, is like maybe in your case, your social self, Prez, of the tapping into what, what is the polarity and what's the, what is the, the, um, the attraction? Juice. Yeah, the juice in terms of the sexual instinct between me and this person.
0: That's an area that feels like there's a lot of energy and, and not very much awareness to, to hold it and to, to control how the energy is going. So I right. I assume that's a that's a confirmation from my system <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you were saying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you
3: know, also uh you know, you can tell me how like how how this works for your, your own self image and stuff like that. But you know, the uh the sexual integrating the sexual instinct not only means um, something in you is choosing yes or no to different people and circumstances out of your own control or will. But also, especially as a male, uh, you know, there's a level of aggression and, you know, this owning like being on the hunt kind of a quality that is somewhat at odds with the soft I'm you know, I will take care of you kind of quality. You know, it's uh it's a different energy sometimes that goes against the perhaps the self image. I don't know if that fits for your case. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, it's
1: got a it self-interested does. hunter aspect yeah sexual yes
0: yes oh man that's <laughs> i'm glad that you brought the thing with my self-image up because i can feel the conflict uh life right now just uh like you hinted at with um the the conflict or potential conflict between blind spot and dominant dominant instinct and there are contexts, uh, especially with my girlfriend now, where the clarity about what we mean, what I mean, when I follow my sexual instinct is so so pristine that I have no doubts about how my intentions are taken. And in a context where this has not been talked about, or I have no indication that if there would be a misunderstanding uh, would it hu- hurt the the social realm uh, i'm really withdrawn with that and although it's there and i i can notice more and more and it gives me strength to notice how i involuntarily make choices or my system makes choices on what i like what i attract what I, what repulses me what i uh, all those things mm-hmm. so there's a connection there that i didn't have before of and i do it intuitively that when i notice i'm um like before this call Also, i i noticed my social instinct was busy busy with how will this how will this gonna go is this gonna go and um how would i like it to be and trying to control aspects of what i will express and then just returning to the body returning to what why am i here what why am i talking to you guys what do we share what is actually uh juicy and alive for us and that brings me back into a center that that actually helps me to get out of this trap
3: Hmm. i was really struck when you were you know you kind of like your sort of your intro thing that you're going off on on um you know the the role or relationship to life force and vitality and, Mm -hmm. you know, like how much you can see, like, I don't know, it was just striking me how much the rejection types have this question of life force vitality at their core. And, you know, we think of eight as being life force type and how, you know, two and five kind of offshoots of that in a way. But also, you know, just the way that we, we also, we've been one of the, terms or expressions we've been using for rejection types is being half a person. And so mm-hmm. even in the eight, there's not a full person there. Mm-hmm. Um it's a weird relationship to life force. And so I was I was wondering if you could I don't know, both you and Emica if y'all could speak on some of that because that was just pretty interesting. I don't know if I have a specific question other just wanted to like flesh it out a bit more.
0: Yeah, I can do that. Um I've been thinking about that too, especially since Courtney talked about this. And this situation I am in now with Clarissa, my girlfriend, um, is really interesting in in terms of this because we've been friends for a very long time. And in the way we talk to each other, there is an an attention for my autonomy and for who I am for myself and a willingness to focus on that and being interested in that. And for a long time, that aspect was difficult to receive for me, not only from her, obviously, but now we have a change because this area has become way more accessible to me and I'm able to receive it. And what I encounter when I open up is all those parts that belong to the shadow half of my person. And the shadow half is actually the question, is this working for me, whatever the situation might be? Mm, that's
2: good. Mm.
0: Is this working for me? Is this helping my agenda? Is this helping what I want to achieve in this life? What I want to be experiencing, uh, the kind of relationship I want, not, you know, the, the dynamic, but what do I want to experience? And I'm so grateful to be able to receive that now because I can see the contrast even just within the context of the two of us meeting uh, where before when she was interested in that um, I would shy away from questions like okay, how's your work doing? How, is, uh, how are circumstances mm-hmm. with your finances, with your health? Uh, also a lot of self-press issues but um everything that that defines me as nicholas for nicholas right mm-hmm. okay not in terms of who i am for other people or for this person not in this role And that uh, that is a painful area and it's painful because i don't expect people to actually have inner space for that it's like I talk about that and I expect people to forget or uh, to withdraw from it or to, to use it for their own ends. And um, my dad, for example, he, I think he was a five. I'm not sure yet. Five, four area. And he, uh, he used to talk in ways that, I really, that were really cryptic to me and he seemed to want to pass on ideas about the world that were orienting for him and i always sensed that this was very important to him but i didn't get i didn't get anything out of it and i always had this idea that i had to give him a feedback that kind of uh helps him to believe in himself although we had no connection at all wow and when I read his stuff and he has written a lot and he's not there anymore, he died two years ago. Uh, I I notice how cryptic it all is. And it, it sounds very forish in a way or five ish, but the forish part is it seems like he wants to he, he does not want to be understood. He wants to be admired for his mysteriousness. And subconsciously, I don't think he was really aware of that. And uh, I always thought I need to, I'm stu- too stupid to understand that. And I need to, intellect, uh, to develop intellectually enough so I can do that. But today I realized there was no way, uh, no, no heart connection there. And that is what I expect, basically. My mom was a nine or is a nine. And whenever we talked about issues that were important to me or vital, uh, she kind of veered away from that because mm-hmm. she was so unhappy with her own stuff and she wasn't willing to talk about that. So it always seemed like, okay, whenever I talk about Niklas for Nicholas, I'll be lonely mm-hmm. and isolated. And that's not fun. So where's the juice?
3: Right. So is it, is it like a feeling that just others can't handle you or aren't interested in you or you don't have significance to them? like what's
2: all of that all of that yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, maybe i'll maybe it'll come home when i explain it from my own perspective because it's kind of a similar thing Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so one thing that courtney said that i I thought was a really good way to understand what the rejection type was up to is that this half a person thing she she said that you reject a part of yourself by over affirming its opposite Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I, and I started thinking about how, you know, with the instincts, we talk about the blind spots, and, you know, you still have that instinct there, but mm-hmm. it is a blind spot, not because it's so, de- you're diminishing it because you're overemphasizing or over identifying with your dominant instinct.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And so that compounds on itself over time. And, you know, that then that blind spot or that other half becomes this huge shadow. And so I can see that um with the 8 stuff it's like i'm doubling down on protection protecting function because whenever i get into my heart and that's like anything that has to do with we're just like going going beyond results going beyond um external leverage and this game of it seems like the game of life where you don't get anything for anything and if you you got to make things happen for yourself and so that perspective is pervasive in the world, and it seems like that's all the world is. So
0: mm-hmm. when you
2: get into the space of the heart, where is like, I just, something happens, and I have an emotional reaction to it. The emotional reaction is not um, functional. There's no end result around how you feel about certain things. Your dad says something to you or insults you when you're five years old. You feel shitty about it. A, a simple emotion is, it's incredibly useless. If I, as a boy, were to present this emotion to my mom or my dad, and they were dismissive of it, and they made fun of it, or they took advantage of it, that sends a message to me that when you go here, you just get shit on. And if that happens enough time, I just keep doubling down on the functional protective uh you know outwardly hustler whatever you know side of things and so when those emotions come up it's just it gets buried because i'm just overdoing the opposite and so what i've had to learn is you know even just the experience of falling in love that's a pure emotion in the heart space it has nothing to do with anything functional and there can be a way that my type structure will will try to make a functional result out of pure emotion, and so my experience of like softening up over the years has been just giving more space to the useless. I feel this way about this, and mm-hmm. being able to trust that certain people have the capacity to hold space for my feelings. Because, but then again, if I ever experience, because that that's this an experience that happens a lot, is that some people just don't have the capacity to respect or hold space for how you feel so whenever that gets touched like this person's taking advantage of me this person's not actually respecting or i'm in a relational dynamic where someone uses something that i've shared with them emotionally against me in some kind of way the shutdown happens so fast and reflexively it's like man like uh, uh, you know decades worth of rage keep you know like i can't believe i even opened myself up to you like i trusted you with that emotion you know, so it's like a, a level of fuck you that's, that can't be articulated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the sort of battle is, is recognizing that um, my type structure, re- you know, recognized from a young age that it's not okay for you to be emotionally vulnerable because there's no one out here has the capacity to even give a fuck or hold space for that or respect it. They're going to use it against you at some point. Mm hmm. Mm hmm
0: i was just thinking when when you talked about this reaction this shutdown how this happens within me because the numbness i know usually protects the relationship and shuts mm. down my autonomy within this relationship
4: mm.
0: so i kind of protect the image of okay this is okay we can work this out although i'm really hurt mm. but the autonomy of my person ceases to exist within this context and it's oh, not wow. just i'm i'm not consciously doing that i rediscover it and then i might be you know i might be reflecting on it and thinking oh shit how's this relationship going to work if i don't exist in it anymore
4: mm-hmm.
0: yeah but this is quite recent that i actually notice it in this in these terms uh because up until then i would kind of maintain a certain level and we can still, whenever I'm the person holding the emotional space, I feel safe with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is also what I can use for my, for my uh, vocation. And it's really useful there. But within private relationships, it's, I disappear. And many people do not notice that. you know. And when somebody complains about it, I mean, in, in this, you know, uh, well, where are you now, Nicholas? I, I don't sense you anymore. I've, I've experienced this a couple of times and it, it moved me to tears because it meant that this person had looked at the right place. Mm-hmm. They had actually looked for the person and were not blinded by the image of me being super Jesus, giving everything away. <laughs> You know, which is nice a security blanket, but it's not nourishing to me. Not really. And, so the sh- shutdown okay. happens to what my autonomy, and that's, that's a difference between two and eight, it seems.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I was wondering then if you could say a little bit about uh, your experience of feeling an emotion from this point of view, because you know mm-hmm. there's this thing of you disappearing, and I, as a four, relate. Everything to my emotional reactions. Like, it's like that's my personhood is like, you know, the flag is stuck on my reactions. And so, as a heart type, like, what is what the fuck is going on there in the heart <laughs> for the two?
0: Right now, I can see the difference between when somebody looks at the right place and what happens when I'm in the role of. Holding space, giving something to people, nobody notice notices actually the dynamic and part of me doesn't want them to uh-huh. uh, because you know it's way less stable to me if I'm out of this structure or beyond the structure and the most intense experience I actually get when i I get to see the other person clearly, and I haven't I have an idea about, okay, what, what is actually going on for you? What is important to you? What, what is meaningful to you? And I can relate to that, and I can nurture that and support it. So that feels meaningful from the standpoint of the type structure.
3: Well, is it kind of like having, taking this half a person sense of self, is it like the emotions are rooted in and kind of appropriate to, so to speak? Uh, this half person you know what I'm saying so it's like like let's say I'm the two and I'm in a dynamic with you is it like I'm able to see myself as a function of that dynamic with you and therefore the emotions I experience are kind of contained within or appropriate to or rooted only in that dynamic and I'm not including the other part of my own palette of feelings is that a way yes. to describe it
0: Yes, because the emotions are a feedback, whether the de- rejection dynamic is working or not. Mm-hmm. And, w- oh, and yeah. when, it's oh, there w- when it's working, it, it is, I mean, I'm not sure what the role of my dominant instinct is here, because I can, I can observe how I'm nervously looking, whether social relationships are okay, even when they are not coming up or popping up or there are any problems you know like what dominant instinct is like um but as i see it the the type structure tries to make sure that nobody is leaving and it equates the working of the dynamic as okay everything's fine so the the emotions that come up within this half of my person that give me feedback whether this dynamic is is working kind of that's the gauge that i look at okay mm-hmm. and uh it happened especially recently in the in the last 2 years uh more than once that i reevaluated a relationship that had that had been working this way for a long time and somebody asked me the question so how is this working for you how is this supporting you what do you get out of this and i had to admit to myself shit The only thing that I actually get is the feedback that the dynamic is working (laughs) and that I can have a connection to this this split off part of myself via the other person. I mean, it's like projecting myself on the other person and then taking care of their autonomy. And Mm -hmm. by that, you know, some elusive kind of caring for autonomy is in the space between us but it's actually just connected to the other person not to me
3: wow 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 that's so interesting <laughs> yeah so one of the things that i have a client that's a two who uh was really struck by emica and i making jokes about our moms and i said something <laughs> we said something like we weren't sure if our moms actually wanted to be moms or something like that or <laughs> you know like if i remember they're just, yeah <laughs> yeah if they're like if they're not really they like. Like they needed to be moms, but they didn't want to be moms, or something like this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. and um, I will get the feeling from, especially from my mom, but just from twos, where there will be like a lot of a leaking, a lot of leaking of like negative energy because basically what I what I read as the uh, the leverage dynamic, the half a person dynamic, is not working the way that they wanted it to. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's not just like a pouting about that or something, but it's like I don't know there's this there's this whole shadow emotional negative leak into that can happen that's kind of like all that something about the cutoff thing coming back. Yeah. and I think a lot of it as i'm I'm sort of thinking out loud, whatever, but I think a lot of it is like an unconscious uh, leak of the sadness of having neglected to live their own life. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, when when the, the the hook isn't getting into you and the dynamic is not happening the way they want, there's a lot of I think backlog of resentment of having not lived their own life, yes, fully. Does that
0: make sense? Then totally, because that's the horror that I had to face when I started to uncover this dynamic. Because what comes up is okay if. If the dynamic is not the only thing important in this life, how much time did I spend on this? Okay, right. and right. what
5: did get neglected? And right. um,
0: and I have been reflecting about this too because I have a I have quite a super ego about the what you called leaking about resentment, basically expressing resentment because of this and. Of course, there's no way to get around resentment if you do this. And um, I, I always tried to, to keep that out. And that worked itself into my image that, uh, it, you know, it's forbidden for me to express it. But you can bet that when there are opportunities to express it, that, that are, you know, just below my conscious level, my system will take them.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And that's a leakage, you know, that's that's exactly what you're talking about. And in experience with other twos, it's I mean, I, I know a couple of twos, I have a two client right now too. And I'm so glad to notice how cut off this person is from life force. Just identified with this image of being somebody who can be relied upon no matter what, and he is in a situation where uh, his ex-wife is actually taking advantage of him, and he's not able to set any boundaries and uh, kick her out of the the apartment. and And I get the sense of okay, uh, you know, Ned Stark was honorable and he didn't take care of himself in in king's landing because he didn't know how to listen to his gut and so when that is cut off i think that's what happens it leaks out and it's difficult to talk about because if the self-image does not allow for it to be there how do you address that
3: yeah uh, you know there's I see it like leak out in both the the twos line to eight and twos line to four, you know, can mm-hmm. have this kind of gloomy, kind of self pity feeling at four. And then at an eight, it's just like, I've lived my life to take care of you and now you defy me, you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. like, mm-hmm. like right. holy shit, scarier than eights for me, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. And it is so scary because it's so close to the heart.
3: Totally.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think the aid version is a little bit different. Uh, not a little bit, a lot different. It's the sense of, um, it's easier for me to see it in others. My my eight my sister um, recently had something go down with where my parents violated some boundary. And I could tell that she was hurt by it. But um, I'm at a place currently where, I can, my parents constantly cross boundaries. They're both eight and two. So they're doing a the rejection thing, mm-hmm. cross boundaries all the time. And they justify it because they, they're still right as parents, because <laughs> we're, we're, we're objects to their, to their narcissism. So we, mm-hmm. even as adults still exist as a reflection of them. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm at a place where I can not just cut them off, but tell them you did this and I don't like it this is how I feel about it and then give them space to respond which I've never been able to do which is you know something that I've learned as you know getting into my heart as, as like allowing myself to be affected it, or just not even allowing myself to recognize how I feel about being affected mm-hmm. even just telling somebody you did this and it made me feel this way it's gross Mm-hmm. Verbalizing that feels gross. Cause it's kind of like now I'm giving you the opportunity mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. shit on me. And you know, so it's 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 a trust in the dynamic that you have the capacity to respect my emotions. Cause otherwise it's just, well, fuck you then. You know, cut this person off. And so, you know, she had that reaction. She's like, I don't see why I ever have to engage with people who don't respect me. And so I'm done with them, and uh, you know, and it's sort of like she's. I know that she's hurt by by what happened. Mm. It's, you know, there's a mm-hmm. sense of real hurt, and sort of the eight type structure is like, I'm hurt, but I'm not. You're not even a person I can even have that conversation with, because how if you didn't if you cross that boundary, then how the fuck are you going to respect my emotions? Like, and so the emotional leaks of eight. That's that's one thing. Like the hurtness mm. that. They might not even realize. Uh, Maybe because I can, I I know what it's what it's like, where it's like I'm hurt, but there's no one in the world that I could share that with. Because how the fuck are you going to be somebody who could even meet me there? And how could I even trust you? Trust you? And if you if I trusted you at some point in time, you gave me an indication that you weren't someone who could trust me anymore. The walls come down so fast because it's like that's such a sensitive area. You know, the idea that someone could hold on to your dysfunctional feelings about being affected. Um, and so when that gets violated, you know, it can be a, a leak of um, unconscious emotion that the eight's not, not even aware of to the degree that they've been hurt. Yeah,
3: that that's really good because, uh, yeah, like sometimes like... It's tricky with eights because on one hand, they're pretty good at just overriding your boundaries. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but then you override theirs and there's this emotional hurt tied into it that it's you get get mixed messages, I guess, uh, from an eight dealing with an eight because it's like, yeah, we'll push around on this level. And you think you're pushing Mm -hmm. and then you've actually hurt their feelings. They might not even know that their feelings are hurt. Right, But those, like you said, like with your sister, it's like your sister's boundaries were violated. And there's a little bit of this like emotion and fear of like, okay, this person is a person that will not respect my boundaries. So it's this kind of fear, emotional, hurt, shutdown, cutoff thing. And you're like, wait, what? You know, like, <laughs> you kind of like, right. not, like, there's a confused quality about what, what they were so sensitive about. Right. Especially as, as people who typically... Don't display their sensitivity very much, you know what I'm saying
2: exactly exactly yeah so it's a it's shadow a sensitivity or shadow emotionality that can be there with dates right
0: yeah and and like I said when we talked about um, this all or nothing quality, and that's here too. you mm. either show something and you, or you shut off and there's not much space in between to make to to allow for nuanced experiences of trust and and uh, openness and vulnerability, mm-hmm. and that makes it really hard to address something.
5: Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's like hard to uh, like, especially with eight, and I don't know about two as much, but with eight, it can be like, okay, so some kind of hurt has happened but because we're not acknowledging the level of hurt, right. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that the repair is almost not possible. Right, you know? right. You can't go, oh, hey, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings or, you know, whatever, because it's, like, it's not being talked about on that level. It's, like, now, they right. will kind of give you a lecture of, like, it's not, you're not, like, a reliable person or something like that. <laughs> right. And you're, like, what is going on? And so with the two, um, I'm curious, like, about the sense of being hurt or violated you know it, like uh unintentionally and how that kind of repair can happen like is is there a similar kind of shutdown or is that come a leverage thing or like
0: the shutdown is similar although it works. doesn't it doesn't i mean like i just said it it le- it happens um on the level of connection to my own autonomy and when i Ask myself, okay, um, how much can I reveal of what this really means to me? It feels like the relationship will fail. The other person will crumble, and there is no way I can be with what's alive in, in myself and not be alone. Mm. It, it, there, the the expectation is that that the truth of How I am will blast the other person away.
5: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: Okay. Um, A friend of mine just used the metaphor of the uh, expression of autonomy being like a rocket, and the rocket needs um, a contraption to stand on before it can get off. And this contraption, whatever we call it, like a ramp, it's built out of wood. And the fire of this rocket is burning the wood away before uh, the rocket can take off. Uh-huh. That's the feeling. You know, I don't have a chance to express this without loo- losing the the grounds to stand on.
5: Hmm.
0: And then I, I, I have this experience of, okay, how much do I really want to reveal? How much can you really take? And so it's rare for me to express my whole truth and all the judgments, all the metrics I have, the standards I have for behavior that I use to, or my body uses to evaluate what's going on and really be content with what's in the room. That happens rarely for me. And the place where this is possible the most is with my girlfriend right now. So that's really amazing to me because. We can get so clear and can get such high such a high resolution on very difficult and risky topics. Uh, I haven't experienced this with anybody else and and it's because there is trust that we can talk things out before anybody leaves, leaves. Mm-hmm. and she doesn't do that. she hasn't mm-hmm. been any at any time so far
3: so there's kind of two th- two things I want to talk about one is uh the getting back to the blank or empty space uh Mm -hmm. because i think that that's like that's a juicy place in everybody like everybody's got their blank space and Mm -hmm. to have such a uh encounter with it is like you know just an interesting and probably useful thing to talk about but also uh the fixation uh as it's defined by Ichazo is like flattery i believe and then I think Riso and Hudson uh, call it ingratiation. Mm-hmm. And my understanding of it is that the mental activity of two is largely caught up in uh, basically thinking about others or thinking about relationship or thinking about oneself, you know, as a function of a relationship. Like, oh, I'm a, I'm a therapist. This is going to be really good to help all these people. You know, oh, I love the Enneagram because I can help all these people with the Enneagram or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. um does that does that does that feel accurate to you or does that reflect your experience and yeah i'm just curious about the mental center piece of two Mm -hmm.
0: in my interview with josh i talked about an ex-girlfriend with whom i had this dynamic quite um strongly and um the necessity was there because when i i was not Engaged in this you know giving or or enabling paving the way, and there was way less coming from her than I wanted, and with her i I used to you know a lot of thoughts and associations and ideas came to mind how I could reflect what I like about her, how I could serve her, how I could um illuminate something in her own dynamic that might help to be connected in a way that I would like and those things come up automatically so um that's what i associate with flattery that there is a, a push and it feels like this intoxicating dynamic like a push towards okay how can we we sweeten this up you know it's Um, And it feels like a honey trap from outside and from inside. It's like, okay, I'm actually, I'm fighting for my life here. That's what it feels like. It's it's how at, at one point with this woman, I was able to recognize that the whole world did not seem colorful anymore once she was gone. It was like black and white to me and that was my experience as a child and whenever I had an an object that I could, you know, project things on that was the person that was the entrance towards something vital. Hmm. And, and so fighting for my life in the sense that actually I have no idea why I should go on living if this doesn't work. That's the the push, that's the um, the urgency behind it, mm-hmm. and and that drives the okay, I need I have this idea, I have that idea, I have this idea. how could how could we enhance the chances of connection happening here? So and you said the ingratiation was the other word. um there there's this episode I talked about on Josh's podcast with this birthday present that I thought would you know
5: be the killer move and uh, <laughs>
0: and it wasn't. Um, and yeah, um, you know, using my my knowledge and my uh, insight into what is really important to this person can can give me like a rush, okay, this is how I will get in, you know, this is how I can penetrate this wall and and actually. Um, get into a dynamic without the other person, without waiting, f- whether this actually works for the two of us, and uh, what what will we share? What what is that? How do we spend our time? I mean, in some sense, if you follow the dynamic, there is a fantasy of okay, I will get her, and then we will live happily ever after, right. and nothing else is fleshed out. Mm-hmm. So it's a fantasy, and. And the fantasy is there because it feels like I need this in order to exist as a soul, as an, a, a being with a soul with an internal life. Otherwise, I'm just a meat bag and I don't like, we could end this right here. And, <laughs> and that's scary, you know, because it's the, it's the counterpart to the positive outlook. And I, I've come to see that the harmonics. A kind of like a balance, balancing defense, uh, where uh, I need the positive outlook to push away the dis- the desperation that this might be a life without vitality. So I'm telling myself, uh, I call this the hope machine. Uh, I'm telling myself, oh, it'll be, it'll work out. And in a relationship, this might mean like, okay. She has this and this, and there's potential, and this should be an indicator for something great. And uh, if I sober up, or when I sober up, I can see, okay, those are all parts of something that I want, but it's not whole. It's not enough. And the positive outlook is kind of defending against this. It's not enough. Because that would be terrible, you know. (laughs) how would I go on living if I don't believe in that anymore? Hmm.
5: That's the sense.
3: So from this place of, uh, you know, thinking about vitality and uh sacks and things like this, curious about, yeah, like if you could say more about your experience of that, that emptiness, that blankness, and um, that, you know, you were talking about much earlier. And, uh, you know, are you familiar with Amos? Mm-hmm. So you know, Almas has this uh, theory of holes, is what he calls it, and it's this sense that you know that our personality is compensating for um, basically undeveloped or yeah, undeveloped aspects of our being, of our essence, and that um, that once we get underneath the defense that our personality features, our compensation for that uh, we encounter the deficiency, and that if we're able to stay with the deficiency. Uh, and through all the nausea and all the things that it evokes gradually and subtly the actual quality might fill in the blank. You know, like if we feel if we're like kind of like being a tough guy liver King and we're feeling very weak inside um, (laughs) underneath all our steroid (laughs) muscles and hard nipples and stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, then it's like having to get in touch with that sense of weakness. And then when you actually like really allow the weakness to, and essentially unfold without getting too caught up in your reactions to the weakness, then some sense of essential strength can can kind of slowly work its way in there uh, if you mm. allow it. So I was wondering if there's been some kind of, I know that it's not a, a linear process, but some kind of no. ending from that point of view with this emptiness and, and somehow that's gone in, if it's related to this theory of holes model or not.
0: Um. I wasn't able to make the last appointment that we had because i was on a retreat uh, with uh, someone who talked about exactly this topic and
5: um so i'm excited that you bring it up when i touch
0: get in touch with this emptiness or with the quality of what what remains when the type structure pulls away (laughs) I'm not sure yet what it is. I've been I've been listening to your talks about the wings, and uh, I've been thinking that I have a three wing, but I might have a one wing. I'm not sure. Uh, so I don't know if it's that or the essential quality is something like actually knowing what's right for life. One asset I can use quite well when I'm working is that a person gets into the room and without any verbal chatter, I get a sense of what's missing here or what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and the, se- the session is usually about fleshing that out and being able to communicate it, but the sense is there immediately. And there's no hesitation about it usually. So from that point within myself, I feel that there's a gentle power there. And, but it can also feel not gentle at all because it can feel like an explosion of okay this is how i see it and and that's how it is and uh, we can discuss this but i won't move until you actually touch what i'm talking about yeah so there there's something immovable about this and when i follow that thread i can get scared of what or this image can come up of Actually, blasting people away, and since that can happen and it has happened when I was little, and it affected people that were important to me and that were caregivers, I understand how scary this can be. And as an adult, um, I'm looking for a way to express it uh, so that you know it's it's not an H bomb, but bodice scalpel and is really precise and uh, helps to understand something or to protect something or to support something Uh, and that doesn't feel like the two energy it feels like it's coming from the belly and from from some other center and i think the emptiness is there
5: because um it takes courage to be
0: with that and uh awareness so that i can steer it in a way that is actually helpful
3: so when you're able to uh be in touch with the emptiness is is what fills it in in a sense or maybe nothing fills it in but what is is the sense of what you want as a whole person more accessible when you've kind of uh inoculated Mm -hmm. yourself with some emptiness
2: yes
0: what i want as a whole person and what i want to happen and what I want to correct, and what I want to be to stay away from, and what I want to spend time with and whatnot.' It's, in, it's interesting and,
3: because uh, you know in this view of have a person, you can kind of see the super ego split, right the The sense of like what I'm doing is not what I want to be doing. It's what I should mm-hmm. be doing or what God mm-hmm. wants or what, you know, some, some higher force or some intuition tells me I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of gets it, but, uh, yeah, I was curious if you had any other kind of like, uh, things about tunis or, or something, or I'm actually, I'm curious about, uh, you being a little kid and blasting people away. Like, what did that mean or look like?
0: Very early on, I learned that my, it was dangerous to provoke my dad. He hit me, or he got very mad, and I did. I had no chance to understand what was happening, and so I was. Uh, I was very careful not to provoke him. I think that that in itself is enough to explain that, because you get a sense of there's nobody stable there to to actually talk to, and um, based on that experience. I didn't take a lot of chances to, to make a corrective experience. And, uh, and of course in adult life, there are people with which, with whom I do have that experience. So that confirms it again. And of course I'm attracted to people who (laughs) reaffirm my expectations uh, because that's the law. And, um, so to actually have, uh, people who are willing to see that side of myself is uh, I recognize it as a blessing and for a long time it was scary to me because it invites the question that it raises in me is do you really want to know are you sure you know it's I'm not sure you're quite aware of what you're getting yourself into and That's I'm a not, good one. I'm neither. Mm. Mm. That's a good you know? one right
2: there for rejection. I don't think you know what you're getting yourself into, right? Because <laughs> right. they don't.
0: <laughs> <Right>. No, <laughs> I mean they might. The thing is, I do not know. It's right. not. It's not certain, and this uncertainty triggers the the dynamic, right? Because there could be uh, an option, and I'm. I think I'm getting better at gauging whether it's possible or not. And for a long time, I wasn't even a- able or willing to acknowledge that it's, it might be not possible. And that's why the two dynamic mm. is always going on and on. No, I don't accept this. This is a world where this needs to be possible. And then I run into the same obstacle over and over again until it hurts me enough so that I can actually reflect on it. Mm. That's been my experience now in the last couple, couple of years.
2: Any last words for the two fixers in the group that have been pining for your words? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people resonated with the things that you shared with Josh. Um, and I think, you know, you've fleshed out even more to a more uh, further degree on here. Um, yeah. Yeah, if there's, any, if there's anything else that you'd like to give the people before before you go.
0: Well, I would like to invite people to, oh, it's so difficult to say that, because I can remember every step on the way, and uh, it's hard to accommodate everything, but I'm really glad I made this transition to actually
5: look for what works for me. and. I
0: would like people to get acquainted with the uncertainty of not knowing whether there will be somebody to accommodate that or mm-hmm. who's actually interested in it because uh, nobody can guarantee it. And that's the, the difficult thing about inner work is you discover what you it, and then you have to discover how, you'd, how to get it because nobody is providing it by itself. Mm-hmm. You have to actually be selective on where to look for it and um that's hard that's hard work it's really difficult to stay with the uncertainty but it's the only place where i know something fruitful can come up
3: Mm -hmm. i really liked what you said about uh or the way you put it with like in reference to your dad of like somebody not being on the other line like Mm -hmm. on the other end like that experience of you know just as a kid like and you know we all like love our parents to different degrees and stuff but even if our parents do like a good job or are quote good parents unquote you know it's like the sense that there's like that that they are another person like actually able to relate to you as a person like on the other end of that connection like that that you know that object relation or whatever that they're really actually there and somebody's home is you know and finding out they're not you know most of the time is so uh so like the like existentially painful and Mm -hmm. so much the case that i mean we're all just kind of like relating to each other like is there another person on the end of this connection yep you know and like we're all kind of desperately trying to like in it all of us manipulate it out like that's the two in all of us in what is like trying to manipulate like please be a person for me, you know? <laughs> please be a person for me. <laughs> right. but, but then I get so caught up in that role, I stop being a person for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that sense of like, you know, it's just thinking about, uh, you know, friends, relationships, parents, whatever. There's this just constant not knowing if there's a real human being on the other end of that, that dynamic and, you know, what, that would, what that'll lead to. So yeah, I thought that was great.
2: Yeah. That uncertainty thing is uncertainty in heart space, like in terms of not just defaulting to the belief that there is no fucking way anyone could possibly hold space for my emotions, that, um, you know, if I can do this with my parents, I could probably do this with anybody because I don't really believe that they have the capacity to understand my emotions, but just the just the idea or the attempt. Of telling my parents that this thing that you did made me feel this way, mm-hmm. and making and forcing them to deal with that, and mm. you know, and mm. deal with their response, which can be incredibly infuriating, and mm-hmm. um, is that's that's been a big deal for me because it's sort of like having faith in <laughs> the heart center.
0: <laughs> which... Yes, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and expressing something, even though you do not expect this reaction, is an affirmation of your existence.
2: Right yeah
0: and in spite of uncertainty and i find that the capacity to bear this realization there is nobody home is necessary to bear the uncertainty so the, the the increased capacity to deal with this emptiness makes it easier to actually explore where somebody could be who's home and who you could have a connection with because you're the risk is easier to take. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you oh. for uh, coming on here and going to the empty space
2: with us. Yeah, that's yes. great.
0: <laughs> thank you very much.
2: All right. <laughs> All right. All uh, right.
3: I need to rest. John's going to go die. My, yeah, I'm going to die a little bit before my city <laughs> group.
2: So I'll... Oh, you still have to do that today. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay, guys. All right. Alright.
2: Thanks, Nick. Thanks,
1: Nicholas. Yeah. Bye. Good to Spend see you. Bye. bye. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye. All right. I'm gonna go.
0: All right, okay, guys. Bye.
4: Bye you all. Bye.
2: Okay. Bye.